Hello and welcome to Time for Cherry Pie and Coffee with me Bex and me Ethan and me Seth Manukin. Woohoo! <laughs> Joining us for yet another slice of pie. You do like pie, Seth. I do indeed, yes. Although I actually, I probably should not admit this, but I am not a huge fan of cherry pie. Just like Carl McLaughlin. Yeah, I'm a big fan of pecan pie. Oh. Mm. Now you're making us hungry. This yeah, wrong, exactly. This is the wrong. This is the wrong way to start off. Right. Sixteen hours are down. Two remain. It's a little bit crazy. Yeah, it's been a uh, three months. It's zipped by, and here we are, about to be watching maybe the final couple of hours of Twin Peaks, at least on TV. What are your thoughts? Um. I mean, one of my thoughts is that I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, it, it has consumed so, you know, vastly more time, intellectual, emotional energy than I would have anticipated at the outset. Um, I was very enthusiastic for this, but uh, I think in almost every way it's exceeded my expectations for what would come. Um, uh, just in that there, there has never been in my lifetime or something that I've seen, there has never been a piece of visual art, um, and possibly any type of artwork that has made me think so much and so deeply about so many different things. Um, and I think that's fascinating for, you know, something that is appearing on, on television, on the massest of mass forms of entertainment. Um, you know, the, the fact that, that Lynch and Frost and Showtime pulled this off uh, is, uh, is incredible. At what point did you realize that it was becoming all-encompassing? Was it episode one, two, that kind of time? Or did it, did it gradually build? It probably was after those first four episodes. Um, and I didn't watch them. I, I spread them out over two weeks. I watched one and two the first Sunday and three and four the next Sunday, mainly so I wouldn't have that long wait before I got another. Um, and just, it, you know, it was it was immediately clear that to the extent that there were expectations, it was subverting a lot of expectations and what was going to come and what we were going to get. Um, and... Uh, and as soon as I, it didn't take me very long to sort of accept that and realize that we are not going to get 18 hours of thumbs up agent Dale Cooper, um, you know, slapping people on the back and, 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 and smiling and loving coffee. Um, uh, even before it became apparent that we might get 18 hours of Dougie Cooper. Um, (laughs) it, it, it seemed like this was something unlike um a, a viewing experience unlike any i had had um and uh yeah so i think after those first four episodes and then that increased and it was it was after episode eight when i really felt like um it was sort of revolutionary in what it was attempting to tackle um in ways that i think with a slight tick in one degree or another could have come off as very ham-handed and clumsy. Um, and it, it, it's a testament to Lynch's sort of skill as a visual artist. Um, and I think the, the lack of a need for straight A to B storytelling mm-hmm. that that worked um, as incredibly as it did. So what do you think about, you know, the fact that they have managed to, 
pull this off. It's not like just a series of Twin Peaks that we're watching. It's something which is, I mean, it really has changed television again. It's unclear what the repercussions are going to be. Yes. But it is unlike anything we have seen before. And, you know, it's a strange thing to be viewing it like, you know, like that as something which is completely new. I mean, so and I guess to the extent that um, there's there's sort of some sadness and kind of almost mourning associated with the fact that we're now a couple of days away from the final episode. It's not so much that I want 18 more hours of Twin Peaks The Return. It's that I, I, I'm actually not sure that this will have repercussions in the sense that it will have repercussions. I'm not sure that the repercussion will be that we will get another experience like that from another artist. Um, I think it was, it was a unique set of circumstances and two very unique artists that allowed this to have this sort of alchemy that made this happen. Um, And you sort of needed everything to fall into place. I mean, you know, you actually did kind of need the budget um that he had you needed the total freedom uh and it's hard to see that happening and it's also hard to it's hard you know there are some very innovative and creative filmmakers but it's hard to see it's hard for me to think of someone who both operates within kind of a mainstream framework and also aspires to that sort of um epic sweep that is centered ultimately, you know, Black Lodge, White Lodge, aliens, whatever, but ultimately in our world. Mm. Um, it's dealing with issues and moral concerns of our world. Do you think that it's, well, it's hard to kind of guess what its legacy might be? It'll probably take another 25 years before we can kind right. of really fathom what its legacy has been. But do you think it would potentially open up avenues for other um, showrunners to take more risks, even if they can't take as big a risk as this has been with the kind of budget and scope that they're looking at. But even just to be able to take more kind of small scale risks in terms of the format of how a show is, um, or being able to kind of play around with non-linear storytelling and um, just expecting a bit more of the audience because I think one of the things that has been so striking about this is how much it's expected of the audience to keep up and the audience has kept up I think. right yeah I mean it it does it makes extraordinary demands um you know to, to the extent that if you are not watching and reading to the last line of the credits you might miss <laughs> an incredibly crucial plot point um I, I definitely think it'll have that impact in the same way that you know you had um, the X-Files and Lost especially uh, were came out of a world in which Twin Peaks existed. Um, and, uh, you know, especially Damon Lindelof was, has explicitly said how much he was um, uh, influenced by Twin Peaks. So I, I, I'm sure that we will see that. Um, you know, one of the reasons why this has been, I think the, the return has been so... Um, kind of remarkable is because um, there's simultaneously references to past works in almost every second Mm -hmm. references to other films references to filmmakers Um, you know you had a whole mini Tarantino 
plot <laughs> development happening in there. Um, uh, you know, you have the Wizard of Oz. You obviously have Sunset Boulevard. You have very explicit and implicit and visual references to everything David Lynch has ever done, including music that he's recorded. Mm. Um, uh, so it is. It, it it looks to the past very much in that way, but at the same time, it's doing things in a completely unique way. So I think it will, um, I think we will see shows that play with timelines and that ask a lot of their audience. Um, but I am not sure that they will be as satisfying because instead of being something wholly new, it'll be Twin Peaksy. Hmm. Um, and Twin Peaks this year has not been like anything else. It hasn't even been Twin Peaksy. Hmm. Um, you know, I think that's frustrated a lot of people. But it, it really has been something um, very unique. So actually going on from that point, you know, this has been the summer of Twin Peaks for many of us. Yeah. And yet, you know, these 16 hours that have passed, it's only now that we're really, really focusing down on what the events in the town of Twin Peaks are likely to be. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that's going to be the location for yeah. the final two hours but up until this point we've had new york we've had buckhorn we've had las vegas we've had no clear link to the original show in many respects it it has been a story which is saying you know 25 years later you know things aren't exactly as you might have thought they've been but actually in reality that's a long time to pass how do you think you know um that's worked in you know in the context of the return to have played around with what we were expecting and what we've actually uh, got after that time well i mean so i think there are a couple of interesting questions there one is how has it worked for me as a fan how has it worked artistically um and then there's the question of how has it worked for twin peaks as a piece of commercial television um i think that it has been uh, um, I think it's 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 a much greater thing because it was not tied to the physical location of Twin Peaks in the way that seasons one and two were. Um, when you really had Twin Peaks as a character, the location was a character. Um, uh, I think that it that hurt it in terms of viewing numbers. Hmm. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of diehard Twin Peaks fans found out that they were not diehard David Lynch fans. <laughs> um, and this was, you didn't, you certainly didn't need to be a diehard David Lynch fan to appreciate this, but you had to have an appetite for, you had to sort of be willing to close your eyes and step off a ledge yeah. and have no sense of where you were going to end up. Um, and that was something that was I, I not really present with with Twin Peaks seasons one and two, because even when you went into, you know, even with the Lodge mythology, even when you went into the Red Room, you always knew you were going to be in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Even within the Red Room, that was in Twin, you know, it was in Glastonbury Grove. Mm -hmm. um, it was a location that you accessed through Twin Peaks. Uh, and here, there have been, you know, hours and hours when we have not been in Twin Peaks or when there's been only this sort of most cursory um, uh, cursory kind of toe touches there and when we have been there it is not it hasn't been the Twin Peaks that we knew mm. um, it is not quaint with some evil in the woods it's evil with some 
quaintness, sort of almost like muscle memory of quaintness, um, uh, hazing around the outside. Um, uh, so yeah, I, so so I think that that has probably hurt it uh, in terms of viewing numbers. But um, I think for me, it, it's been much more satisfying as a result. And I, I I think they've done an incredible job. You know, I mean. Uh, especially Las Vegas, so much of Buckhorn now feels like it's taking place in a hotel room <laughs> so um, or a hotel bar. Uh, um, but Las Vegas, they you know that is its own space with its own um, imagery. Uh, you know that 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 sort of the phantom shot of the of the shadow of the bird flying over uh, over the Joneses' house, that housing complex on Lancelot Court. Um, uh, is now something that if I saw somewhere else, I would immediately identify as like, oh yeah, that's in Las Vegas. I must be in Las Vegas. It's become a shorthand to the point that even 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 uh, Hutch and Chantel seem to refer to it uh, in the hours before their death. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so so it's been something that 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 I've found very satisfying on the whole. But in the same way that I think that um, you know the the when cooper says 100% um you know when he is finally awake that is satisfying in an all consuming way that it could never have been if it happened in episode 2 yeah. um you know the fact that we had to wait not just 16 hours but months yeah. after <laughs> waiting decades yeah. for this to happen um uh or some of some people waiting decades is i i, I think made the um, made the sort of emotional release and satisfaction of that much more powerful. Have you gone back and watched any of seasons one and two whilst the return has been on? So I watched all of seasons one and two right before, actually before and into. I think I, I didn't finish rewatching it for the third time until around episode six, mm. um, probably. And then since then, I have gone back and watched um i don't even know if i've watched individual episodes but i've watched individual scenes yeah. um so i went and rewatched audrey's dance yeah. after episode 16 um and there have been uh at, at, at one point i went um maybe it was after episode 15 when uh when margaret um tells hawk that they can't talk the way they did when they could talk face to face and i think the only time they talked face to face was in that time when 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 cooper doc hayward they all go over to truman and Hunt, yeah they they came in they were looking for the renault's and she gave them tea yeah. and slapped down cooper because he tried to eat the cookie beforehand um and so i went and watched that and thought like is there some is there some secret coded message in there that i missed um or just wasn't attuned to uh so i've done a lot of that but i've not gone back and watched full uh full episodes have you two well i think we've done the similar thing i mean watching scenes and and kind of catching up on parts of it. But it does seem like... Uh, I think it might just be because the return is so all-encompassing. that It's actually quite difficult to step out of it and go back right. to the original series. I think, I think it had, you know, the events, the characters, the plots, everything has moved on so much that it's hard to step back, watch an original series episode, and then get back into the return again. It seems very right. jarring. Yeah, I think we watched... We watched about half of Fire Walk With Me again, yeah. didn't we? A couple of weeks ago, yeah, a few yeah. weeks ago, something like that. Because we were trying to wrap our heads around, particularly all the Philip Jeffrey stuff. Yes, right. Um, and we kind of rewatched the first sort of 
half hour, yeah. 40 minutes or so of the film. Um, and, and same as you, we've gone back and we've rewatched scenes trying to find connections and figure things out. I think we watched part of the season two finale again. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff in the Red Room. But it's it has felt like we didn't really want to go back and re-experience season one and two as a whole while all of this was still up in the air and running around right. in our minds. And I think that once it's finished, we'll probably want to do the whole thing yeah. from beginning to end. Will you do it in the order of release? So will you do season one, season two, Fire Walk With Me, The Return? I think mm. so. You think so? I think so. Because I, I think... Well, well, at least at least we'll go through it once like that. We'll probably do it multiple times to yeah, see yeah, how it right, works in, right, in different right. ways. But I don't know. I think I think there is something about experiencing it as it was meant to be seen in that order. But I've always wanted to watch the original series, but precede it by watching Fire Walk with Me. Do it in uh, chronological order. Yeah, and see if right. that actually impacts the uh, the way you view the original series, because ultimately. You know, the big reveal, um, you know, of who killed Laura Palmer itself. I mean, it's it's a small part of the whole right. the whole thing. And so I think actually it adds a lot of depth and actually adds a lot of uh, tragedy to watching the original series if you do see the events of Fire Walk with Me first. Right. But I think actually now it might help just because it there are things which are actually set up then you know pre-original series which are being paid off towards the very end of right. the return which is kind of strange i mean it's all it all seems to be bookended by you know who is judy which is right strange yes now. which we, yeah i mean it, it's it, i actually did go back and and it sounds like watch almost the exact same parts of fire walk with me that you two did mm. um uh and and something that struck me is i was surprised by how little um, of all of that appears in the actual movie. Yeah, I had sort of conflated the missing pieces scenes with 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 Philip Jeffries yeah, yeah. with what happened in the actual movie. In the actual yeah. movie, there's like you know a millisecond yeah. of all of that, um, and uh, which now you know looking back seems like such a waste because you have that insane David Bowie performance. <laughs> it doesn't. It wouldn't add that much time. Why would you not include that? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's when you were talking, I was thinking that um, it, it, I'm, I'm glad I think I'm glad I didn't go back and watch the entire seasons one and two while season three was going on, because that when when Cole is ta- telling of his Monica Bellucci dream and um, and you see them on the Philadelphia office that like I gasped when Cooper appeared on screen yeah. um, as Cooper, um, it, 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 it was it was it was literally sort of shocking to me. Mm. Um, similarly to that incredible shot when you have 70, whatever year old David Lynch look back at this. I, he was, I think 45, but looks mm. like he was about 28. Mm. Um, uh, David Lynch, it just was, you know, for, for a season that has dealt with the passage of time and mortality and all of that. Mm. I, I, I found those sequences to be uh, really, really remarkable. Yeah. I think also this idea that, you know the return certainly in the couple of years before it came out it did all hinge on laura palmer saying i'll see you again in 25 years right and it seemed yeah. kind of clever that that line was a throwaway line 
in the finale and actually it has a huge payoff in the sense that now we have the return so 26 yeah. 27 years afterwards but it's remarkable how many other things that take place in the original series and aspects of fire walk with me are being included now as well right I mean, it's very strange that the mythology is you know it seems probably more more planned than it actually was but i remember even watching part two when suddenly the little man from another place you know when he says when you see me again it won't be me even that has has relevance yeah now, right, because right. He's a... no, not part two episode two. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hour two it's, right, it's right. so straight so that's actually going off from that are you going to watch all 18 hours together in one sitting or in in some large chunks so or I've, I've, I've been, i mean i have a fantasy that it will you know we have we have a, an old glorious movie house here um called the coolidge corner cinema uh that um it you know is is huge uh and really is one of those old like 1930 they can they they sometimes do silent movies there with an orchestra or with a band mm-hmm. um i have a fantasy that they will do it there because i would love to see this with um on a truly big screen yeah. and with a real sound system yeah um i just you know every time i rewatch an episode and turn the volume up a little bit louder um there are always new things that yeah. i'm hearing uh so i would love to do that mm-hmm. um it's hard for me to imagine i mean i don't think physically i could sit down even for nine hours at a time um uh so um yeah but i sort of have a fantasy that there'll be like a six times three like weekend film festival or something um i don't think i'll ever do 18 hours in a row i know showtime in here i don't know if if it's it's happening over there but they're showing all 18 hours leading up to the finale um (laughs) uh but i think i will at some point um you know do as many big chunks in a row as possible Mm. Um, uh, just because I think the experience of doing that will be so different from the initial experience, which is, um, in which the, the sort of thinking about it and listening to you two and, you know, listening to Diane and listening to Bickering Peaks and listening to Listening Post Alpha and, um, was so much a part of my experience, uh, for each episode and then for how I was thinking about the episode coming up. And so I'm curious as to if, if my thoughts and reactions will change or if I'll see different sort of patterns and continuities if I'm kind of eating it all at once as opposed to bit by bit. Yeah, I was just thinking in terms of, you know, order of watching it, you know, like do you do Firework With Me before the original series or afterwards? And you know how sometimes you get um, kind of fan edits of films where yeah. people mess about with them or shorten them or change the way they go. Take Jar Jar Binks out of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if someone's going to work out, because the timeline is so funny in this, if someone's going to work out the actual chronological order of events that you can watch and that it will begin in 1945 hmm. with the bit yeah, from right. part eight where you could literally watch... I, I, I don't even know how you would fathom it because some parts of the return have been so um kind of twisty mm. but a way that you would actually watch events in chronological order right if that is even possible because 
I think there might be characters who are experiencing events in a different chronological order to other characters. Mm. So who whose series of events you would want to experience, I honestly don't know. Right. But yeah, that that would be that would be an interesting way to watch it. I mean, I, I'm sure that someone is going to put together single cuts of the locations. So I'm sure someone will put together the Las Vegas cut of the return mm. and mm. the Buckhorn cut of the return. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it it is, you know, I've been thinking about that. And I, I, the timeline you put together, I thought was fascinating because both in terms of like offering some clarity for how things were unfolding, but also for highlighting how it's impossible to get clarity <laughs> for how some things were unfolding. Um, and in episode 16, um, you know, I thought that, was highlighted by everything that happened or didn't happen between Mr. C and Diane. Mm. Um, and you had, you know, I think there were three separate times when she looked at her phone and we saw what was on the phone mm. and they occurred over like a 12 minute real time span. Mm. But it's, it first it jumps what, what is like a two minute span on TV mm. jumps forward like 25 minutes or something um, when she's in the bar and then it jumps back an hour or uh, I have the times written down, but an hour and it moves back and forth between being text messages and I messages. Sure. And yeah. sometimes there's her response and sometimes there's not. Um, uh, and when she sent him those coordinates, were those one of the three sets of coordinates that he was referring to with Richard yeah. or, um, uh, it, so, you know, it, it, I, I, I do think it is, it's, going to probably ultimately be impossible to figure out exactly who is experiencing what when and that instead that will be the a, a sort of um a gauzy kind of um sense of of time slipping that permeates the whole the whole show um uh yeah what do you think would have happened if instead of the part one we got they had begun airing it weekly and started with part eight. <laughs> um, that is an interesting question. Well, so you mean you mean starting after Nine Inch Nails in part eight? Yes, yes. Starting. Right, or, right. Well, it'd be very weird to start with. <laughs> very weird to start with just <laughs> Mr. Mr. C and, C and Ray, Ray yeah. driving, right. Yeah. Um, uh, huh. I don't know. That's a very good question. Um, I haven't thought about that. I mean, um, I think probably the viewership following that would be zero for anyone who had not seen the original series, um, because it just there there would be nothing even to 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 track. But I think it actually would have even been difficult for people who are fully committed to it, because even though in a lot of ways that was a piece in and of itself that that existed kind of out of time it existed in time but out of time i think actually if we had not had the part one where you had the character now known as the fireman talking to cooper in a space that sort of seems to be that same space that he was in if we didn't and then you didn't also have um cooper and nido and the purple sea and what appears to be something similar to what is going on in eight even though part eight existed in this in this sort of nether world there were things to tie us these sort of filaments to connect us to to things that had happened previously um and i think that those might be necessary yeah 
Um, I think otherwise it would just be like, it, it would have seemed more kind of masturbatory and less part of, uh, part of a, a, a larger tapestry. And I think it, it does now feel like it is part of this larger thing and not just um, this, this kind of avant-garde experiment that happened for 30 or 40 minutes in the middle of the season. So looking at that first scene between Coop and the fireman, where he gives him the three clues, right. so 430, Richard and Linda, two birds, one stone. Have we seen that happen yet? Or is that going to happen to him in 17 and 18? Because we still aren't any closer getting to any of these clues or the answers to these clues. Well, maybe or you know i mean maybe um we've gotten you know i mean maybe richard is the answer to one of the clues um and we get them so and maybe time doesn't work the way it does in our universe in terms of how that is resolved either um uh you know my my kind of instinctive read all season has been that that takes place at the end um, somehow. And I think that, that it, it's almost like, uh, the conventional wisdom is sort of coalesced around that occurring at the end, um, among the sort of parts of the fan base that think about this obsessively and, <laughs> and, you know, email about it and talk about it. Um, which for the last couple of weeks has made me suspicious that maybe it doesn't happen at the end. Um, uh, just because of how much sort of subverting there is. I mean, it's, it's, it gets to another thing that I think is so fascinating about this, this season, which is, um, the, the sort of Chekhov's gun, um, paradox, which is sometimes like with Diane and her gun, you have Chekhov's gun and yes, it has to be used sometimes as with like the warnings going back 10 episodes about Sonny Jim, you know, first being a left at home when Janie E came to Lucky Seven Insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you knew that Ike the Spike was was on the hunt for uh for for Dougie. And that was the first time I thought, oh no, that like Sonny Jim is gonna get it. Then you have the spotlight on Sonny Jim. Then you have Chantel constantly talking about how much she wants to torture someone. That all sort of felt like a Chekhov's gun. Like you're not gonna have someone talking about how much she wants to torture someone again and again and again unless she's gonna get to torture someone. And of course, she did not get to torture anyone. Poor Chantel, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, you get that. You know, you 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 get that a lot. There are some things which seem to be telegraphed so clearly that don't pay out, um, and then some things that seem to be telegraphed almost too clearly and you think well that's it can't happen like that and it does mm-hmm. um and it's another way i think that uh it, it it that that lynch and lynch and frost have kept the tension fairly high even when we can probably see what's going to happen mm-hmm. um you know audrey horn is another good example even when she i think my initial reaction when she appeared in the roadhouse was probably similar to a lot of people's, which is like, okay, she is real. Um, you know, this is really happening. She is really existing in the same universe as everything else. And the roadhouse is not, there's not something weird going on there, but actually we should, you know, I mean, 
there's nothing about those first two scenes with Charlie that is real. Hmm. Um, that that is a universe with rotary phones and no technology past a certain point. It's it's a universe where characters don't they 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 don't speak the way actual human beings speak um and so there could not have been more a more clearer sort of signal from from lynch and frost that this is this is not real in the sense that we think of real um uh and but yet i was totally willing to put all that aside because i wanted it to be real because i didn't want to have to deal with the sort of mental um exercise of figuring out like what does this mean and i think another thing that's fascinating is in in you know the end of episode 16 i think they have um again ratcheted up what i think is probably the biggest anxiety for viewers which is that this is all going to be a dream Hmm. um you know i would feel I think right now I feel that I would feel crushed if that was true. Um, But they have consistently been teasing that uh, as a very real possibility. Um, uh, I don't know if that means it definitely is going to happen or it definitely isn't going to happen. But um, I I do know that it means that I'm always tense um, uh, in a way that is that is, you know, a, a, a pleasurable tenseness um but unnerving and tense all the same you know one, one thing I, I would be fascinated to get your perspective on this I, I i'm becoming increasingly um suspicious uh of gordon cole uh, uh, not suspicious of gordon cole i've been i've been increasingly questioning of his role in the real world hmm. um uh and the way that he i i guess i wonder more and more whether he is the dreamer um, uh, and a lot of how he was interacting both with Tammy and Albert and with Diane in episode 16, mm. um, uh, he seemed like he was observing that, but not part of it. Mm. Um, and that he, you know, from like when he called in Diane before she appeared, um, there was this sort of almost like puppet master aspect of it or, um, the ability to see or hear through doors. Um, but even like when, after Diane disappeared and you have everything that just happened and his reaction is sheriff station. Um, it just doesn't, you know, he doesn't seem to be existing in the same plane. Um, at the very least, I think there's some, there's some revelation or some shoot a drop with the Albert and Cole, um, with, with that relationship and that storyline. Um, uh, but of course, you know, that could mean that there's nothing to drop and that it's exactly what it is playing out as on screen. I think a lot of the, well, I think the presence of Gordon Cole, I mean, I know a lot of people have been saying, wow, there's a lot of Gordon Cole in this series, Yeah, but I think it, it has had significant payoffs in introducing, um, a lot of elements to the show, most notably now Diane, right. I think. Um, it's been you know it's been important to bring those um, those parts of the story in. To be honest, I went through a phase uh, around about episodes maybe ten to twelve when I was really suspicious of Gordon Cole in a right. negative way. I really felt that there was something about it that made me, um, I think, a little bit concerned that he was uh, behaving in a slightly suspicious manner in a negative way. Uh, but what I've kind of thought more recently, and again, it's it was kind of crystallized a little bit after 
um, part 16 was I do wonder if uh, Cole himself might be a little bit lodgy in some yeah. way. Right. Um, yeah. I do wonder if maybe he's actually... Well, I know some people have been talking about the fact that... Um, and it could have even been one of John Thorne's theories that uh, Cooper is an agent of the White Lodge in some right. way. I'm starting to wonder if uh, Cole actually serves that purpose. Yeah, or, I mean, in some... in some, Well, I just... I, I need to say, it seems the fact that my image is now frozen uh, on Skype makes me feel very... Dale Cooper in the Philadelphia office when Philip Jeffries appears. Um, just this like out of time image of me sort of talking into a microphone. Um, uh, but yeah, and and, and yes, I, the, the, certainly that's, that's something that I've thought about also. I've also sort of wondered if he isn't more similar to the role the Giant played in the first two seasons yeah. where... It's not, you know, the, the, the fireman in this season is, seems to be more of an active agent yep. putting things in play. He clearly desires certain outcomes, um, whereas the giant in seasons one and two was not that at all. Mm. Um, uh, and Cole almost at times seems a little bit more... Um, removed from the consequences of what is happening yeah um uh but yeah there's something odd going on with him for sure i mean even when you know albert pulled him back from the vortex he wasn't like wow that was close or he was like you know there's some dirty men and on a staircase or whatever he said <laughs> um uh it just was an odd reaction um and 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 it and it seemed his the way he acted there and the way he reacted seemed to imply that this was not his first experience sure um uh and you wonder you know he, he and philip jeffries were the first two agents to 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 see the the original telper the original blue rose obviously philip jeffries involvement with the lodge did not leave him unscathed um, it turned him into either steam or a tea kettle or, uh, <laughs> and, and, and gave him the ability to appear through walls in Buenos Aires. Yes. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I wonder what, what the effects of interacting with the lodge have been on, on Cole over all these years. So I, I kind of started rethinking that bit in Buckhorn where they go to the place where the zone is. Yeah. And they see that vortex. So Cole and Albert can both see the vortex. But Cole is the only one who seems to be in danger of disappearing. I mean, he almost kind of flickers out of existence. And looking at what we've seen with what could potentially be the White Lodge, you know, when they went into Jackrabbit's Palace and found Nido, and they all see the vortex appearing in the sky but only Andy is taken. The fact that they can all see it and they're all standing right there, they don't all go up, only Andy gets taken up. And then uh, if you think about uh, Freddie Sykes' story when he's talking about going home from the pub and he suddenly feels right. the urge to climb up on the boxes and then he gets like, sucked up into the vortex. And it seems to be something that doesn't just involve being in the right place at the right time, but also almost being the right person. Hmm. 
like when uh, James asked Freddie, you know, why do you think he chose you? And he said, oh, well, why? You know, I asked him that. And he said, well, why not you? But it, it does still seem to be that he was chosen in the same way that Andy was chosen to be the one who got taken up to speak to the firemen. Does this imply something about Gordon, that he was the one who almost went up to wherever that was? I mean, it looked like one of the bizarre kind of dimension-y bits that you can get to through the convenience store. Well, I, I mean, you know, one one thing that I suspect will not be answered is the rules for these portals or vortexes or because it they it they're very fluid um uh you know sometimes they only appear at a certain time um as in the case in glastonbury grove and uh and jackrabbit's palace um at a certain time at a certain place other times you know in buckhorn it seemed that whenever you went there uh that was going to be there um sometimes they appear incredibly localized like richard horn um, assuming that that was some variation of a vortex portal connection to the other world, mm-hmm. it seemed like he had to be standing on the exact spot um, mm-hmm. where whatever magical electronic device that was was sending out a continuous tone for that to happen to him. Um, uh, and so, ma- and 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 in Buckhorn, it seemed that it wasn't that Albert and Cole had the ability to see it, and no one else did. Is that they were close enough to that spot. And so I read that as Cole was standing in the sort of exact place. Um, Albert was standing close enough so he could get glimpses of it or glimpses of its effect on Cole. Mm -hmm. Uh, And beyond that, you couldn't see anything. Um, But I, but you know, the, the, the issue that, that you raised about being the right person, I have wondered about whether this sort of black lodge, assuming that that is where the woodsmen are, kind of doesn't care who it pulls up if you're there it's going to grab you uh um it just wants kind of souls to feed off of um and uh in the white lodge especially this iteration of the white lodge with an active protagonist in the fireman um uh is makes more deliberate choices so actually going back to that specific point do you think that the that one feature of the return has actually been the fact that all of the supernatural elements do actually seem to have a real narrative structure to them. They're not just weird for weird sake or thrown right. in just to kind of create a, an uneasy atmosphere, even though that's what they do do. There is actually a storyline to what's going on with the two lodges and potentially what may be being lined up as a war between them, which is uh, maybe about to take center stage in Twin Peaks. Right. Yeah. It's something that, I mean, one of the things, there are a couple of things I've, I've, I've struggled with, with this season. And there's one other thing I I, want to get your opinion on, but um, one of them is the way that um, kind of responsibility and agency is dealt with in this season, as opposed to, the first two seasons and fire walk with me um uh both in the actual narrative and in the sort of creation of not just <laughs> doppelgangers but tulpas um and a sort of seeming endless variation of different types of yourself or mirrors of yourself um and i don't think this is something that 
that I'll or will be, be able to kind of work through until the end. But I thought one of the things for me that made Twin Peaks um, the initial iteration so powerful was that it did not just it didn't shirk away from the responsibility that humans have in committing evil. Um, you know, it, it it especially after Fire Walk with Me. It was, I guess, it was a little less clear just with season two when Bob leaves Leland and all of a sudden he's, you know, this innocent, essentially. Um, But the way that that was dealt with in Fire Walk With Me, which I found much more satisfying, made clear that there was culpability and responsibility on the part of Leland. Um, And it's not clear to me yet how that, how those issues of, um, of individual will uh, and responsibility for actions are going to be dealt with. Um, you know, one thing I found um, uh, a little bit disquieting, I guess, about the full return of Cooper in episode 16 was it seems as if we're moving towards a scenario where, um, and already sort of we're in a scenario where he is absolved of everything that his doppelganger did. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was never really my understanding of a doppelganger, um, uh, you know, but but with him sort of literally uh, kind of not literally, but almost literally appearing as a white knight and, and riding off or jetting off uh, um, into, into the distance or into Spokane, as the case may be, um, uh, you know, you, you have now this sort of shark like creature in Mr. C and this embodiment of goodness, the original variety, Dale Cooper. Um, and I think that lets Cooper off a little easily. One thing that I thought that, that, that I thought um, was interesting related to that is, uh, and this is like a very deep cut, but Diane's <laughs> reference to the fact that they had kissed once before, um, which is talked about in my life, my tapes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is clearly, you know, I mean, that is, that is a transgression on Cooper's part. Um, uh, and not what you should be doing, not what a superior should be doing. Um, and it was a period of sort of emotional need for him. Um, uh, and so I thought that was interesting, but then when, when you have Cooper sort of, I am the FBI variety of Cooper, um, uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm curious to see how that is ultimately settled. Yeah. I think there are two, two follow-up points. Um, one is I feel that the way that he's come back, it makes me a little nervous that, you know, I wanted to know what spending 25 years in the Black Lodge would do to somebody. I want to know how that would affect the Cooper when he returned, even if he was the good side of, right. you know, of the Cooper. I, you know, he, it's odd that um, he's come back so fully so quickly after such a long wait right well the other thing is with only two hours left i do worry that they may not be able to do justice to the idea that i always felt was an important one which is how does cooper um not necessarily rectify the the things that mr c has done but how does he readjust to a world in which his doppelganger has been um, at least for the early part of that 25 years, sort of wrecking every human relationship he was involved right. in, wreaking havoc, you know, to an extent in his name. 
as well. I mean, are they going to actually, you know, deal with that in two hours, or is it just going to be a straightforward good versus evil um, battle in the last two hours? Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I think it's it's an excellent question, and um, you know, I mean, one thing Twin Peaks has definitely shown us historically is that they can do a lot. They can they can do very little in a lot of time, and a yeah. lot in very little time. Yeah. Um, uh, so I I kind of would not. I, I wouldn't place bets on that either way. Yeah. Um, it did when we heard about, when we heard Diane's story and then um, when we sort of definitively uh, learned or seemed to learn that, um, that Richard Horn was a product of the, the assault and rape of a comatose woman. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was interesting there is it was really the, the first time that we had seen um, or we had heard of Cooper's, doppel- Cooper's doppelganger um, doing harm on an innocent, yeah. essentially. Um, you know, the people that he has um, that he has hurt or killed or in or 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 caused to be killed in the return have all been bad characters. Essentially, yeah. you know, they they were. Um, uh, hitmen or assassins or thieves or a corrupt prison warden or um uh and that is not the case with diane and audrey yeah. um another thing that's inter- that is really interesting to me about that is that you know the, i think there's still a question as to whether bob is in mr c or not i don't think that's been answered but something that um i think is striking about mr c's behavior is there is not the sadistic pleasure in pain that Bob exhibited. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's doing what he's doing as a means to an end. Yeah. Um, uh, he, and, 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 and it was also very strikingly different from what Diane described. That sounded much more like that was Bob. Bob and Maddie. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you see someone's fear and you feed off and it, 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 it excites you and you feed off it. Mm. Um, and we haven't seen that from Mr. C. We, you know, we, we essentially haven't seen any emotion out of him at all. I think the most emotion we've seen is, you know, the sort of who is Judy, yeah. um, his frustration and anxiety at not knowing all of the answers. Mm. But outside of that, he's been a, a sort of very utilitarian character. Mm. So following on from that, who do you think Judy is? Whew. Um, uh, I mean, it, it sort of depends on like what minute of what day you ask me. Um, you know, when, when we spoke last time, I, I, I said one of the things I was disappointed in was, um, that, uh, Laura Palmer, um, or Cheryl Lee has not been used, uh, very much in this season. Um, uh, and I, I, I'm hoping that we get some of her, uh, in 17 and 18, um, uh, I could see Judy being Laura, um, uh, but I could also see Judy. I think the other probably the, 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 the place where I think most of the signs are pointing is, um, is Garland Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'm not convinced enough about that to sort of stake a claim there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still something that, you know, if you look at the history of that character, um uh um i think it's very much in 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 question it could go a million different ways i think it also could be diane 
um, in in the sen- in, in in the same way that it seems like Diane and Nido are being set up as mm-hmm. being somehow twinned or connected, um, uh, and you have um, you know Diane all season has sort of affected um, uh, 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 Asian attire. Um, her eye makeup even has been, uh, especially in episode in part 16, um, has been made to look, uh, sort of Asian in a way that is a little bit kind of reminds me a a little bit of, um, just to create a perfect circle of the Twin Peaks universe of David Bowie's China girl and how that kind of has made me squeamish, um, (laughs) uh, because it's a sort of uncomfortable song it's you know i'm not sure that someone would get away with recording that now (laughs) um uh but um and judy was originally supposed to be josie's twin sister and so um uh you know you have that but yeah i i really don't know it seems like and the reason i'm sort of guessing diane garland briggs laura is because the one thing that seems clear is it's important yeah um uh although this being twin peaks i could also see us not learning I was about but, to say that I, I I really wouldn't be surprised if that was a big question in part 15 and it was either glossed over as a minor plot point in the finale or it just wasn't addressed. Right. Because I do think that there are many things that we have seen that will, you know, I think despite how much we'd like to see them return to, many things just won't be brought up again. Things that, that may have seemed very significant in early parts. Which, which yeah. and that, I mean, it's another, it's something that's so fascinating about this because after, you know, many episodes, there are things that you felt like that has to be addressed. Yeah. Who is the fricket girl? Yeah. We have to get that answer. Yeah. And I don't think we have to get that answer and we might not get that answer. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that could just be something that happened in episode eight. Yeah. that we never see again after episode 15 like it seemed like the last three episodes were going to all be about who is judy uh <laughs> and now i would not be surprised if we get none of who yeah. is judy um uh it's another reason why i'm sort of curious to see what the emotional experience is of watching this more in a row yeah. um uh and not because for me one of the effects of having a week to digest it is that um, it is sort of digested by the time I get to that. So after I've had a week to think about who's Judy and go through all the different theories in my mind, and then when it's not addressed at all in episode 16, I'm sort of more okay with that because yeah. I've already, that's already moved its way through my system. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. But you know, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, you two about is um, there was something that I've been struggling with all season and um, I think a lot of people have been struggling with that was made even more uncomfortable for me in episode 16. And that's um, the representation and portrayal of women. Hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll, I, I can pinpoint the moment at which it sort of became impossible for me to ignore. Um, and that was when uh, Dale Cooper um, comes back and, uh, immediately makes Janie E subservient to him. Um, and, uh, and she in turn almost becomes a different character. Um, you know, the, the, the woman who stared down those loan sharks, um, and who essentially was, was, was running a household with one young child and one infant, uh, Mm -hmm. in Dougie, um uh is not 
it doesn't seem to me is at all the woman who when Dougie says, I need to go away now, or when Cooper says, I need to go away now, she says, okay, and tearfully thanks him for everything he's done. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the Janie E that existed previous to this seems like she would have been like, what that? What do you mean you're going away? <laughs> like, no, you're not. You have a job. We have a family. You're staying here. You're not driving the car. Like, we're going back to Lancelot Court. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so it, it that made me... Um, sort of think about the ways in which um, women in the return have almost never been um, the cause of action. They've mm-hmm. been reactors. Yeah. Um, the action is all male. Uh, it's all precipitated by some sort of male, by, by something male. Um, uh, you know, even in, and so Tammy is another character um, that, you know, the the, the way that, Gordon and Albert have dealt with her is so patronizing. Um, They're not asking her to investigate things. They're asking her, they're giving her quizzes to see if, you know, she's sort of cool enough to hang with the big boys. Um, And the way that she is then asked to just be so excited about that and also to get people coffee and, you know, and always look impeccable and wear really tight skirts. Um, uh, You know, the way that even in, um, you know, the, the Mitchums, I've really grown to love the Mitchums. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that their their portrayal, especially Robert Nepper's portrayal, has really been beautiful. Mm. Um uh and 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 just full of exquisite touches. I've also have really loved Candy. I think Amy Shields has been great. Mm. But again, you essentially have robot women yeah. um and who always need to dress up in pink, apparently. And their entire role is to sort of do the bidding of men. And because we're led to think that um, candy without the largesse of the of the Mitchums would be like eating out of a dumpster somewhere, that is further evidence of their hearts of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it's something that was has was kind of nagging me a little bit throughout the return. Um, and for whatever reason, the way that 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 Janie E and 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 Dale Cooper interacted really highlighted it, and I guess I, I do sort of know the reason because one of the things about Lynch is um, beneath all of the weirdness, there always there seems to be a sort of fondness for kind of Reagan esque, father knows best, fifties um, uh, uh, America um, in some ways, and. I think that's what we got with the the Cooper Janie E interactions. Um, you know, I mean, just like imagine if if you essentially were told one day this person who you've been sleeping with, who also you've been taking care of, is not a real person or is not who you think it was, but is taken off completely. But, you know, like, don't worry, you'll be fine. I'm going to send you another version <laughs> of whatever that thing was that was here before. Um, uh, you know, that's a that's a pretty raw deal. Mm. Um, uh, I don't think it, you know, I think is is obvious from everything I've said so far about The Return. You know, I love this show. Mm. I think that it is um, really just a monumental achievement and a monumental work of art. Um, but that doesn't mean it's perfect. And that's something that I think I'm going to struggle with and, and, and need to continue to struggle with. Um, and one, one last point on that. I mean, you know, it, it, 
the the way that um, the the way that Diane was dealt with, I also find interesting and thought provoking. First of all, I mean, what a just amazing performance by Laura Dern. Um, I could rewatch that her sort of monologue there just on repeat forever, and I think get something new out of it every time. Um, uh, but um, I was left with that sort of not being clear if that if her talpa was something that she was supposed to create have created as a almost like a disassociative act act following this mm-hmm. trauma um uh or if mr c was somehow supposed to have created and if mr c was supposed to have created i'm not sure what the purpose it's not clear to me yet what the purpose is um you know something that i think twin peaks has always been i uh I've always thought was commendable about Twin Peaks is it does not shy away from the effects of sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse. Um, It deals with them in ways that are raw and I think real. Um, And it doesn't treat them as something that should be hidden. Um, uh, But I was curious about the message behind um, this character that was raped by mr c no longer being a real person Hmm. um and the implication that almost as a result of being raped she became sort of a thought form and not an actual human being so anyway that's a lot for me um i'd be curious uh, uh, you know to for for any of your thoughts about that whole issue so Sort of going back to um, after Cooper wakes up in the hospital, he does, he gets out of there so quickly and some of the reactions to him feel so odd. Um, as you say, the, the reaction of Janie Yee isn't the reaction of the Janie Yee who went and gave the, you know, five grand or whatever it was to the, right. the loan sharks. And also when the doctor comes in, to examine him and he says oh i think you'll find him fine and you mean louis from louis from the great northern yes yeah. it, yes it was yeah <laughs> we were expecting her to, to turn up for the great northern all this time mm-hmm. um and you know listen to his heart and it takes about five seconds and she's like yeah this seems like a good idea and it it felt off to me because it felt like nobody would actually respond like that if somebody had literally just woken up from a coma having been electrocuted nobody would actually say oh yeah i'll go sign your release papers you you seem fine it felt like it it was a little bit unreal and it felt odd to me the fact that he was more honest with Bushnell about what the situation was than he was with Jane Yee. Um, and more honest with the Mitchum brothers. Hmm. Yes, yeah. And I could understand him lying to Sonny Jim, but it felt odd that he was telling the same lie to Janie E that he was to Sonny Jim, almost as if he was treating her like a kid, basically, who needed to be protected from the truth. Because she seemed to have, by that point, pretty much figured out that he was not Dougie. Right. Um, Certainly since he woke up. Um, And I felt like he could have been more honest with her, even if he didn't want to have to explain to Sonny Jim that his dad was a toper and then his second dad wasn't yeah, right. his dad and now he's right. going to get a third right. dad walking through the front door anytime soon. Right. Um, that could have been a bit much. 
Um, so yeah, it, it did feel slightly odd the way that they left it in the casino. Um, I think the thing that has bothered me the most has been the way that Tammy has been treated as an FBI yeah. agent. Um, I think we we mentioned this in the podcast a couple mm. of weeks ago, and it was particularly when uh, Albert was explaining, um, you know, some of the first Blue Rose case to her, and he was getting her to come up with ideas like, oh, what what do you think is the right question? Right, to ask what's about the that? right, right, right? Yeah, and then and patted her on the head, you know, sort of said, "Very good, that's you got that right." Yeah, it's like, right. isn't she already qualified and a member of the team? Hasn't she already? Yeah past whatever test it is you need to be and now she's right. just a member of the team and it, it was like they they never allowed her to contribute anything new to what was going on any any new thought or any new discovery or new investigation everything that she was allowed to come up with was something that they already knew right and it was like she was just being made to jump through hoops all the time. exactly yeah and there was that bit where they go to the zone in Buckhorn um, and Cole says to her, oh, go talk to Hastings and find out where he was. And she literally talks to him through the car window and he says, oh, standing over there. And then she goes over and to the hospital, oh, he was standing over there. And you think, what? Right, right. It's, well, it's the same thing when she's always asked to get people coffee and, you know, like get your own damn coffee. It's not, you know, that's not, she's an FBI agent. She was whatever, top of her class at MIT and, uh, you know, They've been watching her since high school, not presumably because of her ability to serve beverages to people. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you have you have that scene in, in, in very early on in the first four episodes where Albert sort of comments on 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 how how he's now doing a lot better because yeah. he got a view of her walking away. Um, and I kept thinking, well, there has to be some payoff for that. Yeah. That has to be there for a reason. And. I am not sure it was there for a reason um, other than objectifying this, the, 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 what, what apparently should be a very smart and skillful woman who is not treated as such in the actual text of, of the return. Yeah. It seems very odd because I remember early on, I think that was actually the scene where it kind of flagged as, I suppose initially I thought it was quite awkward to have that scene in there and end the episode without anything at the end of the episode that would allow right. you to kind of get that payoff. Then what happened was, as things developed over the sort of following few hours, I realised that it was a problem that was occurring, not just systematically with Tammy, but actually happening with a lot of the female characters. Yeah, And I think even if you look at how they've, um, well, I think even I think every arc has, I think mainly the ones focused on the characters in Twin Peaks. I mean, they've one limitation of this whole thing has been the fact that we haven't had enough time to have really well developed storylines with a lot of the characters. We get little vignettes where, for example, in the case of Ed and Norma, at least thus far, it seems to be the case that they finally found happiness. Right. What we haven't really got is any real meat to these characters at all right. i think a lot of the female characters it just seems to i think what has been a bit disappointing is how they've just revolved at least with you know characters like um shelly and norma 
you know, such well-loved characters who had very interesting arcs in the original series. It's right. just so far been about their romantic entanglements. Right. And now I think, especially now with what they've done with Diane, my initial response was, okay, so how does this actually figure into the plot? But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, actually, how does this figure into the character of Diane, who was introduced? It was this, it was an unseen character for many years. I like, in one respect, the fact that we haven't seen the real Diane yet. Right, still. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I wasn't really happy with the fact that, um, like you say, the, the arc of having her potentially being now a thought form and being and it being unclear whether it's her or Mr. C or somebody else involved, it makes you very uneasy because I don't think they're actually going to address that at all. Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be left as, ah, oh, that version of Diane was a tulpa. But the right. implications are actually, they're, they're very wide ranging in how the show deals with its female characters. And especially right. like you say, you know, it's always been about Laura and Laura's arc was um, it was very well done, but it dealt with some tremendously serious issues. Right. And I almost don't want to have a situation where she returns in hours 17 and 18 and still remains the brave, stoic heroine that she always was at the expense of not having that with any of the other characters who we've seen. Um, in the last 16 hours and 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 you know it's something else that i think is um is interesting about the return is that one of the things that was so um i think for me that was so affecting about the 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 first two seasons in fire walk with me is that laura had agency yeah um and she ultimately decides her fate um and when she's then created by the White Lodge and sent back down, you know, um, uh, it, 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 it complicates things. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the way that for me, the most satisfying way to deal with that is just assuming that time doesn't work linearly. And so there the, the, the fireman is creating her because he has already seen what she is capable of in her life that ended yeah. um, uh, when her father killed her. Um, and so that's what what is being sent back down to earth. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, even even if I was thinking about characters like Shelley and Bobby, Bobby, who was, you know, basically a dick in the first two seasons an appealing dick in some cases. But, you know, a murderer, uh, a drug dealer. Now there's been like real growth and maturity. Yeah. Shelly's still working in the double R and still falling for people she shouldn't fall for. Yeah. Um, uh, and so in that, your sympathy is with Bobby and you're sort of mm-hmm. like, Shelly, come on, get your act together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had that, like you had Doris Truman um, uh, introduced for, it seems like no other reason than to further kind of, than, than to feel bad for her husband, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, uh yeah, so it's been it's and and it's it's interesting also because it's not you know I mean, um, the Twin Peaks its first iteration being a prime example, uh, it's not as if David Lynch 
does not deal with female characters in a real complex way yeah. um, uh, in, in, other, in other settings. So yeah, it's something that is, that is confusing. Um, uh, and maybe there'll be some further reveal, you know, some, some, some sort of further unwinding of that in the last two episodes. Mm. Um, uh, maybe not. It's sort of like the, the, the French, uh, um, possibly prostitute. It's unclear who was visiting Cole in his room. Um, uh, and where it seemed like Lynch was acknowledging and playing with his reputation, but that doesn't um, make it right. That's the thing. Right. And I sort of assumed that there would be some further, that that would be right. developed beyond just like wink, wink. You know, I know a lot of people think I'm like a horny old man. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, 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 um, that's been challenging for sure. Yeah. I think, I think going back to your point just now about, um, um, how characters have changed over 25 years, it just, it just occurred to me that, you know, on one hand you have Wally who's <laughs> gone off to see the world and did everything like that. And yet Becky is still in the trailer park. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know? Right. Right. It's interesting and, how and, they've taken different characters on, on different trajectories and some of them been a lot more limited than others. And, and and I guess it, it's, that's actually a beautiful comparison because I think what is sort of most disturbing about some of this for me is that it seems to be done on not a conscious level. Yeah. That it's just like, well, yeah, men go and do things and women don't. Yeah. Um, uh, not, not because that's some part of the plot line in Twin Peaks um, or it's a comment on something about society, but just because that might be the assumptions of the creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the limited amount we see, I mean, Becky seems like a much more kind of capable um, uh, person than Wally Brando does. Um, you know, I mean, my question with Wally Brando is like, how did how would he survive two minutes in existing in the, in the wild? Um, uh, and um, and you know, which is not the feeling I I have with Becky. But although she, you know, I also don't think she has survived. Um, exactly. But, I was about to say. I think that that may actually put an even darker spin. On, right. on this whole issue if she has been killed by Stephen or maybe even just sucked up into a vortex in the woods or something. Right, yeah. Um, just I to mean, have yeah. her removed like this, it just seems very odd at this point, yeah. There's so much that, you know, I mean, obviously, as as, as we've talked about, not everything is going to get answered. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, Sarah Palmer has to get addressed yeah. um, on some level. Um, I assume that Becky has to get addressed. Yeah. Maybe... Sparkle will never get addressed, but it seems like there's been an awful lot about that or, or implying that it's about that for that mm. not to go anywhere. Red um, uh, has been a very odd, incredibly minor character yeah. who seems to uh, have a sort of larger role in this that at this point is certainly not clear. Yeah, I mean, I think Red seems to be somebody who... I thought would have had a much larger role by now. Yeah, it, it definitely, absolutely. It, it, it seems very odd. I mean, certainly his interactions. I mean, he's, I mean, he's there at the end of part two, and it seems to be now that his only real plot might actually be to do with um, his relationship with Shelley, if only just to show her that 
if only just to show the audience that she still keeps going after the same wrong types every time because but, yeah because he was involved in in the drug trafficking storyline he was seen with richard but now richard is potentially gone and right. like you say the drug story just may not may not go anywhere now but even i mean the thing that was so like if they just had read and had him as a bad boy for shelly as signified by the fact that he was dealing drugs fine but then you throw magic on him yeah and it seems that 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 was not played as richard horn sparkle induced yeah yeah you know um uh illusion um uh and but is that ever going to resolve? I don't know. And without that, you know, Red isn't really... Red's a drug dealer, apparently. Mm-hmm. But um, that that's the thing that sort of makes him seem potentially evil. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, he's like a guy who gives the, the you know, Cox's finger at Shelly mm-hmm. and then, like, seems super exuberant after he makes out with her for a minute yeah. in the street. Um, uh, it doesn't seem like, oh, he has secret nefarious plans, mm-hmm. except for the fact that he can do magic and has something going on with his hands and his kidney or liver or whatever it was. <laughs> it was... Actually, what do you think about? So, so two things with red one. Um, do you think that uh, Becky and Bobby also saw him when he came to the diner? Yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, there are, there, there, there are a bunch of times when, there are characters that only seem to be that by judging by reactions are yeah. seen by a limited number of people on the screen. Yeah. Um, uh, when I first saw it, I thought that they had, um, yeah. because they don't, when she comes back in, they don't say where the hell, like what the hell just mm. happened. They sort of both look like a little bit sheepish and embarrassed yeah. almost, but, and which I interpreted as she finished remarks that Shelley just went, you know, that, that their daughter knows that their father, that, that Bobby is still in love with Shelley. And yeah. still she just went and ran and made out with this guy outside. Um, but then that scene is broken up so quickly because there are gunshots mm-hmm. right away that it, you don't really, it doesn't really get a chance to develop. So I, I, it's another one of those mysteries. Like does any of the roadhouse take place in reality? Yeah. Um, uh, I would assume yes, because we have James and Freddie in jail. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I, you know, maybe not. Do you uh, think that it's intentional that they've somehow shown, obviously, limp, uh, lip-synced performances sometimes? Uh, like Lissy. Yeah, so, um, so how also does no stars. Fit in? Yeah, no stars was an obvious one, yeah. Like Lissy, the Lissy performance, the yeah. no stars performance. Um, what else were really bad? I mean, those are the two that I think really jump out. Um, yeah, where they would be like nowhere near the microphone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, I, initially, I did not think so. I just thought they were bad. <laughs> they, they, you know, <laughs> they had not shot music videos before and it was not something they were skilled at. Although... Um, with Rebecca Del Rio, that's further complicated by Mall and Drive yeah. and Club Silencio. And yeah. um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, so if I, if I had to bet on it, I would say that it's something like Bob appearing in the mirror. Yeah. That it was not intentional, but now that Lynch realized that it happened, he might be amplifying. I mean, he might be purposefully mm-hmm. showing scenes where that is especially apparent to add to this aspect of surrealness 
um, uh, uh, that, that, that happens whenever we're in the roadhouse. Um, yeah. I mean, are we ever going to hear from Ruby? I don't know. I think it was, I mean, was it there just to be some link between Cooper and Twin Peaks? Are all these things meant to be callbacks to, uh, you know, to Cooper, which is kind of calling him home in some way? Right. Yeah. And you, ha- I mean, I'm sure you you, you saw the video syncing that up. Yeah. yeah. And then you also have the video um, syncing up uh, Cooper and Nido um, in part two or part three or yeah, whatever, or part one or part two. Thing. And then with Sam and Tracy. Yeah. And, right. Like, are those things, I mean, they seem too close to not have been planned. Yeah. But I also think that our world of Twin Peaks fans has probably analyzed every piece of video alongside every other piece of video. And sometimes you're going to get things that match up. Um, and maybe it's just that, you know, I mean, maybe we're, we're looking for patterns like the, like the numerology. Yeah. We are not going to, there's, we're never going to learn what the number eight means and what the number six means and why the telephone pole moved from Deer Meadow to Twin Peaks and what the implications of that are. We just know that numbers are logy essentially. (laughs) But I mean, I you know, the amount of time that I and I'm sure other people have spent trying to figure out like, OK, he's in jail cell number 10. And so earlier yeah. he was in this room and there was an eight nearby. And what does that mean? And yeah. Um, yeah, it's very interesting that, you know, just before it started in that final um, like promo trailer, when when Lynch said, you know, keep your eye on the donut, not on the. Yeah, hole. right. Right. And And essentially, you know. It started off okay, but 16 hours in, we're examining every single right. detail. Yes. And yet it's only when it's finished that um, we will probably, I think, uh, be able to disconnect from some of it. Because you'll be right. able to know ultimately, you know, what was quote-unquote relevant and not. I mean, a lot of it will be, you know, just details which may have some significance, may not. Or just, like you say, they may just be... Um, evidence of the fact that Lynch likes numbers and he puts yeah, right. them in and um, right. he likes certain combinations of numbers. He's clearly quite superstitious about these things and and yet a lot of his work is also informed. Every interview always references how every film seems to have some beautiful accident in it. And I, I yeah, just right. wonder if a lot of these things right. um, are turning out like that. Right, um, right. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, going back to it, you know, um, what you mentioned about... Um, second, sorry. Wait, Bex is disappearing. <laughs> no, she just. It, I, obviously, podcast listeners can't see this, but she just like whisked away in, in a smoke <laughs> spiral. I have no idea what happened. At least she didn't dislocate her jaw and open up like an egg. So, um, yeah, what I was going to ask actually was about Red and his kidney. So, right. What do you think is the relevance, if there is any, of the way in which um, sort of sickness and in, and ill and ill health is being dealt with in not only the characters but also a lot of the events we're seeing in the town of Twin Peaks as well? Well, I think I mean clearly. I guess I should never say clearly when talking about <laughs> anything having to do with Twin Peaks. It's always a mistake, but. Um, uh, there seems to be a very clear message that um, the character of Twin Peaks that we knew 
is sick, Um, uh, possibly mortally so. Yeah. Um, uh, And um, I think that's something that um, has actually been done fairly effectively. Yeah. Um, You know, there are characters like like um, uh, um, I can't believe I'm now blanking uh, on her character's name, but Ben Horn's assistant. Beverly. Uh, Beverly, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beverly Page. Beverly Page is that her last yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. And her husband Tom. Yeah. And her husband Tom, right? Exactly. Yeah. What was like that was another thing that after that was shown, it seemed like wow, this is really going to be something. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that was possibly nothing more. First of all, getting back to our earlier point, it was something that portrayed a woman, a woman in a potentially negative light um but also it seemed that now it seems like the point more is just to show that there is sickness enveloping this town Mm. um uh it's also one of the reasons why i think we will see harry truman yeah um before this is over there have been just so many gratuitous references to him it would seem very odd if uh if cooper returns to twin peaks if he knew that harry was in the hospital i think it'd be very strange for that to happen like like some kind of visit to happen off screen yeah yeah and, and 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 even just like if he wasn't going to appear you would just you would have had that initial scene with the insurance salesman and lucy yeah and she would have said which one oh he's sick or he's gone or he's in hawaii mm-hmm. uh or whatever and mm-hmm. then they just wouldn't have come back to it but yeah. instead he's on the phone with frank everyone's asking about him gordon yeah. thinks that Frank is Harry. Um, uh, I would be really surprised if we did not see the original hmm. Harry S. Truman. Um, uh, I guess not the original, not the president, but um, the original <laughs> sheriff, Harry S. Truman. Um, uh, He's very uh, sick these days. Appear, yeah, <laughs> appear before the end. It is interesting. You know, I mean, this is, speaking of happy accidents, you know, hmm. Harry S. Truman is, of course, the president who dropped the bomb. Um, and he was the president who, you know, when when those tests were being done, he was the person who was president. I'm sure that was not planned from from mm-hmm. 1989, but um, 1990. But uh, it is another one of those sort of interesting fortuitous accidents. Yeah. So you mentioned just now the insurance salesman right at the yeah. beginning of part one. So what do you think that was actually about? And do you think there's going to be some repercussion of that scene later on or was it just like something at the beginning which had a, a snippet of footage that was replayed twice when he was asked right about them? Yeah. I, I forget was it jeff jensen or darren franish and ew who had the who had what i thought was a really appealing insurance salesman theory that he was coming in because um he had cooper in the car who had woken up okay. but was still being hunted and so had to have someone go in for him to get harry truman oh, okay, to yeah. come out um, I thought that was a really appealing theory. Obviously, now is kind of no longer works. Possibly similar to John Thorne's dream theory, Deer Meadow yeah. prologue dream theory. Although John does still keep insisting that there's a chance that that is true. <laughs> Could still work, which I which I, I love him for that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I sort of agree with him, but I love that he is holding on to that so tightly. Yeah. Um, uh, um, yeah. I mean, initially, it did. I did think that you had to come back to that. It was too prominent right off the bat. Hmm. Um, but now I, 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 my gut right now is that it's more like the breakdancing kid in the hallway of the school in the original pilot. Yeah. It's just a weird thing that happens in Twin Peaks that we're never <laughs> going to learn anything else about. There's like, you know, an insurance 
maybe salesman who yeah. knows who is super awkward and uncomfortable and lucy manages to talk him into like a panic attack within 30 <laughs> seconds and then he backs out and that's it um uh but yeah why what, what do you two what do you two think about him do you think he's coming back i i think that it's probably a way to queue up to the audience of the sheriff truman switcheroo um so that right from early on in part one they learn that there are two sheriff trumans and that there's a new sheriff truman you know in case a lot of people wouldn't have known they wouldn't have looked at the cast list and maybe not realized that right. that michael Odkin wasn't going to be in it and so it's right there from the beginning oh one is sick and one is uh fishing right what he's fishing is going to be the one who comes back um, and I, I do wonder if it was just one of those kind of funny characters who gets one scene and is really memorable because of how awkward and uncomfortable he was. And it imparts the information that it needed to, which is to tell the audience that we have a different Sheriff Truman now and it does its job and, and that's it. So I suspect that we probably won't see him again, um, which probably means that he'll be the first person we see on yeah exactly he'll be the opening of episode 17 yeah. um uh, i mean that that scene was also interesting because it was um you've had even within characters moments of sort of stage speaking and moments of real speaking and yeah. lucy in that scene was not speaking like a human not even speaking like lucy the human you know she was saying like which one it could make a difference you know mm. It could make a difference. Like it, it seemed very much like a line reading, um, uh, in some ways. And there, you know, I mean, that's that's it's it's an, uh, the first time we talked. We talked about how you can be obsessive in any direction, and there will be a payoff, even if there's not an actual payoff. Um, uh, you know, another another thing that at different points I've fixated on is um, is when characters sound more or less natural or more or less like themselves. Like when Lucy alerted Hawk to the fact that Margaret Lanterman was on the line mm. and when Margaret Lanterman was dying, she did not say, she said, you know, Hawk, Margaret Lanterman's on line one. She mm. did not say the line that's blinking on the phone in front of you, it's the blinking light, mm. which she has said every other time, no matter mm. what, when she's <laughs> transferring a call. Um, you know, was that just for the sort of somberness of that moment? Um, uh, or was is there something else weird going on there i have no idea i think it's that, interesting that, that you say yeah. that because a lot of scenes um have been either directly repeated or sh or shown a sense of sort of happening again and again right but there have been instances where the pattern has been broken right and i do kind of feel that again it may just be looking too much into it but it does feel occasionally that there's significance when we're seeing something happen for the umpteenth time in the show, which means it's probably happened, you know, a tremendous number of times over the last 25 and, years. But right. we're being shown a specific variation of that, which seems right. it seems kind of odd when that happens. But again, there may be no significance. And, you know, on Sunday night, we may be watching it thinking, wow, that was just a it was a stylistic thing that was right. done in some effect. Right. Yeah. I mean, even in that final scene with Margaret, where she's first holding her phone and then not. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it was a powerful effect because she was essentially then looking at the audience. Yeah. Um, but it also had, for me at least, the effect of somewhat taking me out of the scene because I was wondering 
what was happening there. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm curious to, for, for you two, if, if, if this was only a 16-part series, what one scene would be most memorable for you? That's a very good question. Um, This is going to probably seem like a really odd choice. Um, The scene where Albert goes to find Diane in the bar. Right. um, And you first meet Diane. There is something about the way that whole scene... It's such a short scene where he's kind of walking through... It looks like kind of like a, a kind of pub style mm. bar, doesn't it? And it's crowded, and he's walking through the crowds and he finds her. And just the the way that it's shot, the way that it's lit, and the sound, this just completely all encompassing sound. Every time I rewatch that scene, I feel like I am physically in that bar. Right. It's right. just the most remarkably um, submersive thing. And although it's a very dramatic scene because it's Diane for the very first time and, and you get to see her and we've kind of wondered for ages if we would and now we know that maybe that's not the real Diane but it's it has to, in some respects, still be some kind of Diane. And, and it has to be the Diane, I mean, at least it, it, I think we're led to believe that at least her personality hasn't changed because neither Gordon nor Albert are saying, wow, she's a lot saltier than she used to be. I mean, you know, they, they seem very conditioned to this Diane from yeah. right off the bat. But yeah, sorry. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's, it's the sound more than anything that I could watch that scene over and over again and I feel like I am physically inside a bar mm. somewhere. Right. Um, I've I've never quite heard anything like that that's made me feel so in a, a place. I'll need yeah. to go and re-listen to that. Yeah, that's interesting. How about you? What would be your standout scene? Um, I mean, I think probably the two scenes um, visually that were most are most striking to me now in retrospect or are sort of have the most immediate recall and the most immediate emotional recall is one when they cut to new mexico and the countdown begins um uh that just like there have been many moments where i have physically and audibly gasped um but that was sort of like another level gasp like oh my god they're going there um and it was such an incredible shot also um uh and uh you know the joke afterwards like kudos to for to lynch for getting showtime to pony up for an actual nuclear explosion um uh so that's one but then i think that the that final scene with um with katherine colson um uh i've just i've never seen anything I, I it was an incredible scene it's it, and it, it which is it's only it's difficult for me to even talk about without feeling emotional and i still can't tell whether it was brave or exploitative um uh um it you know i, I it was an incredible sacrifice i think that katherine colson made mm. to um you know be talking about her death as she was very literally dying, not dying. Mm. Like you have a couple months to go, but like you have a couple of days to go or weeks, I think in that point. Um, it, it was, um, it, I just, I, I found that to be incredible and incredibly, um, 
moving and um, and thought provoking. And it and it's the scene that I've that more than any other scene I think I've ever witnessed anywhere where I want to know what the filming was like. Um, what, you know, what did Lynch say to Catherine Coulson? Was there anyone else in the, I mean, was there an entire crew in the room? Um, or was it just Lynch and, and, and Coulson, someone who he's been working with, you know, someone who essentially helped create a racer head yeah, yeah. behind the scenes. Um, uh, um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a remarkable, um, very poignant, um, scene. And then I think that the, um, the, um, the drone shots over the woods, yeah. um, is, I mean, uh, they are incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the fact that, that, that he's been able to create, um, a, 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 a like a Pavlovian reaction now yeah. in the audience, as soon as he shows that of sort of unease and, and, and concern, hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 the it's the traffic lights of 2017. <laughs> how about how about you? Do you have is there one scene for you? Yeah, I think um, the one that made me really realize that this was something special was right at the beginning when we get the shot of nighttime driving, the headlights, the car pulling up, and Mister C getting out. Yeah. I don't know why, but I remember seeing that. And I had no idea what was... It was strange. I'd been thinking for months about what I wanted to see (laughs) in The Return. I was thinking, I want to see this, I want to see that. That was not what you imagined. It wasn't what I imagined. (laughs) And certainly, it was this moment where I realised that this was going to be a very, very different journey to anything i could have expected but i was completely lost in it instantly i was you know i felt like it was so much better than anything i could have imagined because everything i had thought about was in some way tied to the original series and in essence being um you know linked to it too strongly it was i wanted to know very much you know I think because they were playing up the 25 years later, thing, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it actually starts by replaying the, uh, right. the scene in the Red Room, I thought, okay, this is going to be a direct continuation. And I was excited just to think about that. But then that starts, and immediately I was like, this is going to be unlike anything. Yeah, yeah. And I think from that moment on, that feeling is kind of, kept me going through the last 16 hours i don't think there's been anything that we've yeah yeah i think it's fair enough. i think there's been nothing that we've said in our podcast that has actually come even remotely true from a week to <laughs> yeah, week yeah, right. kind of uh, that's not you're being too hard on yourself yeah. that's not true but <laughs> but it's, it's been certainly it's it's been hard to predict yeah it's been hard to predict but it has been it's one of those things where even when you think you have all the information it's great how they are able to subvert even your wildest theories and actually come up with something which is so much more striking and original. Right. Um, And, and, and there's something, I mean, that, 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 that first scene and in a way that's sort of similar to part eight, there's something about the earnestness 
yeah. of the effort. I mean, mm -hmm. the 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 if you if you take it apart and look at it, the character that Kyle McLaughlin is playing in Mr. C is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, he's whatever a fifty something or maybe almost sixty year old man mm -hmm. in a bun mm -hmm. wearing like black leather and tight black jeans mm -hmm. going around like a hard ass. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, literally like the tiniest hair in either direction and it would you would just be laughing at it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can only, I, I think it's only possible to do that with first a huge commitment on the part of the actors, yeah. but like a just t absolute earnestness on the part of everyone involved. Like this is a real thing worth doing and we're going to do it and make it happen. Mm -hmm. It's the same yeah. with, with like, we are going to tackle the creation of the nuclear bomb. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, it, that's, that's both audacious, um, but also requires, this almost like naive belief that you can do that as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, there've been a couple of times when I've thought like, you know, if, if, if Twin Peaks was popular enough for SNL to do a parody of it, <laughs> um, uh, the parody of Kyle McLaughlin as Mr. C would be, you know, would be incredible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, but you never, I've never felt once anything but sort of fear and dread when seeing the character yeah. i've never felt like oh give me a break um it's never been is, hokey it's yeah. yeah which is amazing yeah. i mean yeah so going back to one other thing which seemed to play a very important point at the beginning but now Although I thought week on week it would come back, it hasn't happened. What do you think about the, well, all the bits of plotting to do with the glass box in yeah. New York? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and the, the billionaire. Uh, and, yeah. A sort of tangential thought I had is, is the Sam that, um, that, uh, that, that Hutch is referring to, is yeah. Sammy Sam? Yeah, um, I, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I, I don't think he. I mean, I, I don't think those aspects of Mr. C's empire were connected yeah. um, in a real way. But uh, you know, it's again, it's just like the obsessive way in which you yeah. with it, I end up thinking. And so I'm writing down like Sammy, and then I'm like, wait, Sammy. I go to my character list, and I'm like, Sam. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah. So 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 wait. So is your question? Are are we gonna sort of find out what that is? Is that gonna? Is that or is that gonna? Has that story finished? Well, is that just the biggest example so far of a of a subplot which has already served its purpose, but it felt like there was more payoff right. to come. Well, yeah. and it felt like 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 Tracy. It was like she was very kind suspicious. of trying to look at the yeah. numbers there and like yeah. how did the guard disappear yeah. and. Um, and the bonsai uh, tree. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, so I, I, right now, I don't think we're coming back to the glass box, yeah. um, uh, or getting any further explanation other than it's, uh, um, yeah. I, I don't think we're getting any explanation. I mean, my sort of read of it is it's sort of an effort to manufacture a portal like what exists elsewhere um uh but you know i also wouldn't be surprised if like the last hour all takes place in the glass box uh <laughs> with dale cooper and mr c both trying to push the other out of it or 
and um, that kid break dancing the whole time yeah exactly all the way around the outside <laughs> right um uh yeah it did i mean it really felt like you know it took up so much of the very first episode yeah. mm. it felt like okay i guess this season's gonna be in new york and out of every single plot line, that was the one that just like, all right, shh, we're done with New York. That's yeah. it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think we're I, I don't think we're coming back. Although, again, now as I think about it, sort of the fact that it hasn't been referenced in so long also makes me think like, oh, we're definitely coming back to it. <laughs> um, uh, but it's incredible how, you know, I haven't probably thought in four or five parts about whether that was coming back or what it meant or i just now have accepted it as mm. like uh weird lodgy stuff i still don't know who the mother is or who the experiment is and okay now we're moving on well do, do, do you do you do you think that we're actually ever going to find out what that murdering creature was um and what the sort of nature of the mother and the experiment are and if they're the same thing I think we will find out more about it, mm-hmm. but we won't find out any specifics, actually. I feel that the the one event which I feel will take center stage in these last two hours is the second day, the October 2nd, 253. Right, which is something else, right, that... that, yeah. that... It, it, it was it's so easy to forget about because so much happened on October 1st and, <laughs> but like there were two days there and it was yeah. equally important and I think um, the second one has you know it has the symbol it's associated with the symbol right that's yeah, found right. on the playing card and I think that there's a weird thing now about the fact that Mr. C's motives to going back to Twin Peaks might actually do something interesting as well which is to explain really what he's been doing for the last 25 years well and what are mr c's motives yeah uh, like what is it that he wants or 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 doesn't want and 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 you know what what why doesn't he want to quote go back in yeah um uh, i mean you said something earlier that you know what is what is dale cooper being in the black lodge for the last 25 years what does that do to him but I, I don't I, I don't feel confident that he was in the Black Lodge as opposed to the waiting room yeah, um, yeah. or or the White Lodge. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe the firemen, you know, broke him out and uh, he's been going through like fireman Jedi training for the last 25 <laughs> years or something. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that this is something that Kyle McLaughlin said at some point that the, the, the black contact lenses were. Um, something he requested because he wanted his character to appear shark-like. Um, and that that seems to be possibly more telling than was intended mm. um, because Mr. C does not seem to have... He, he, just, he seems to just want to continue to swim forward mm. um, and eat and, you know, and exist. There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of emotional content to him. Um, so... It's 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 something that I've not been clear of. It's why is he so desperate not to return? Mm. Um, it almost seems like there's something that he's afraid of, um, which I feel like we got a little bit of in his interactions with Philip Jeffries. Yeah. Um, uh, that's another question. Do you think we're going to find out who the imposter Philip Jeffries was? Um, and was one on of my phone, yeah. huge burning questions is 
why is the character played by Al Strobel only referred to as Philip Gerard in the credits? Philip Gerard, yeah. How is that not Mike? Um, and how did Philip Strobel, I mean, how did Philip Gerard, uh, um, how did this human being shoe salesman take up permanent residence in yeah. this lodgy environment and now play this crucial role? Yeah, I, I think some of this has to be addressed in the finale because I, I think that they're going to have to at least address how or why they're going to try and get Mr. Z back into the lodge. Right. If he goes back, he will have, he will have to have some kind of confrontation with Philip Gerard. Um, I, I suspect that he is the fake Jeffries. Yeah. And that right. if he is, that will probably get it revealed in some way. Um, I I don't know what this means in terms of where Mike is or what Mike is doing, and I, I I don't I don't know what Mister C's intentions are in finding this mother figure, what he thinks he's going to achieve by doing that. If his ultimate intention is to not go back to the lodge, we don't really know what hap- what happens to a doppelganger who returns to the lodge after they've been out in the world. Do they carry on existing? Or is it that he just wants to carry on being in the real world? Right. Or is is he is he trying to find the mother figure because he thinks that uh, it can give him some kind of power to stay out or maybe to move into another world if if Bob wasn't created in that um, uh, in the explosion but was kind of given an opportunity to move into this world through that explosion i don't know i keep i keep thinking for some reason of blade runner and the way oh that uh that uh roy is the the villain and the antagonist but he's also somebody who ultimately just wants to keep being alive yeah right right and right. is angry at the fact that he can't just keep being alive right and is very kind of cold and emotionless a lot of the time and i i just keep seeing these parallel i mean i I don't know what mr c's intentions really are um but if if he is driven by ultimately a desire to just keep on existing um is is he trying to find this mother experiment figure to i don't know confront them or uh get something from them I just don't know because he he seems to only want to just like you say to just keep swimming forward, and if he knows that that cannot be done indefinitely, is is he just trying to to carry on his existence? Yeah, I just wonder who it is who's really behind all this because um, my one problem with the voice on the phone being Philip Gerard or an iteration of him is that. Uh, in that instance, he spoke forward. He didn't, right. he didn't speak backwards, even though he was on the phone. The second thing is, when Ray um, says that a guard came and found him and gave him the ring, that person could end up being the person who we're, who we're meant to find out about. And I know it wouldn't have been that obvious, but there was no indication from Ray that the guy who gave him the ring had just one arm. Right. And I know that these are really minor trivial things, but there's something funny about the fact that um, like Cooper and Jeffries 
when they went to the place above the convenience store and beyond, if they went to the Dutchman's as a specific location, they were speaking forwards. As was yeah. Diane. Yeah. And no, I think true. that outside of Philip Jeffries and either some iteration of Cooper, including Dougie, yeah. I don't think anyone else has spoken forward Yeah, in the lodge. Yeah. Which is... Basically, yeah. Right? So, it's just yeah. Diane, Philip Jeffries, and... Uh, um, uh, and all of the different variations of characters played by Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think there'll be something played up about the fact that we may find out. Like it won't be a um, a scene which shows uh, what actually happened, but they they might explain that there is a character who did make the call, who maybe was the person behind giving the owl ring away because it's it doesn't explain why somebody gives the ring to ray in person when the whole time we see philip gerard in the lodge waiting for the ring to come back to him right right um, it just seems odd that you know yes he could have you know got somebody to do it but it was very telling that ray said oh it's somebody i've never seen before it wasn't like mike was influencing or possessing somebody who worked at the prison it was another form that um that that the spirit Mike had taken. I think that's what's that's what it might end up being about. I think it'll be about Mike, the inhabiting spirit, maybe being outside of Philip Gerard in some way, and it being some other entity that maybe we have already seen, um, but it's unclear. I mean, maybe Mike. Is it possible that even Mike is inhabiting Albert or something? Right. Yeah, that was one of the things I wondered is, is, um, you know, could 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 Albert or Gordon uh, be a player here? I mean, that, you know, a confusing thing there is that the the whoever was impersonating Philip Jeffries had the and I will be with Bob again. Yeah. Line, which clearly kind of throws things into question. I mean, another question I've had, you know, related to. Um, Mr. C and and being a doppelganger is mm. outside of the evolution of the arms doppelganger. I'm not convinced that any of the other doppelgangers actually existed. Um, mm. You know, I think like my my read always was that the Laura doppelganger, the Caroline doppelganger, um, uh, all of those that appeared to Cooper yeah. were more uh, aspects of his fear, yeah, and not actual doppelgangers that were appearing there they were only appearing in relation to his doppelganger um and if that's true then the only seemingly actual doppelgangers we have seen are mr c uh um and the evolution of the arm um uh because there's no indication that there was any laura or caroline or or even leland who existed out in the world other than their actual selves Hmm. So how much do you think of the, well, it's the wrong choice of phrase, but the missing pieces uh, in the return are going to be wrapped up in the final dossier, do you think? Do you think that's where we're going to start getting explanations of things that have been left hanging? I do think there are a lot of things that are going to, um, a, a lot of the little things and probably even some of the little things that we've referenced are only going to come back in the final dossier. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I think the big thing the final dossier needs to, I mean, we still don't know what crime scene 
the 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 original dossier, dossier yeah, was found yeah, at yeah. from the secret history yeah. um we have no explanation for any of the factual errors that were in the secret history yeah. um uh and i think all of that stuff will be addressed for yeah. sure in the final dossier but i also think that these sort of these 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 strands that were left dangling that some amount of those will be tied up and right. and you know it's it, kind of in brilliantly mark frost has created a, a format where he can very easily tie up everything in a couple of pages because it's literally just a dossier of everything that happened so <laughs> um you know then there's this and then there's this and oh then there's this character and here's a page on 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 that person um uh so, but I, I don't think that there will be things left. My, I think my sense is that, um, that Mark Frost wrote both the secret history and the final dossier after Twin Peaks, the return, the script was done and possibly even a lot of the filming was done. Mm. So I don't think there are aspects of the return that, um, uh, are, are that the audience is going to need to read the final dossier mm. to sort of figure out i think if you wanted to just watch the return you will be able to just watch the return yeah. i think although which is enough you know i mean we, we're at risk of talking until act episode 17 actually starts but um uh um you know another question that is fascinating to me is is it actually possible to watch the return as itself would it make any sense whatsoever without already existing in the twin peaks universe and i think that I, I've gone back and forth. I think the answer is very unsatisfyingly sort of. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, I think you could watch it as itself, it, but it would be a significantly different experience. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly like the payoff of seeing Kyle McLaughlin fully inhabit Dale Cooper in a split mm. second and just like what a joy that was to watch mm. obviously is not going to occur unless you are already familiar with mm. Kyle McLaughlin. And in some, in some ways I think is not going to occur unless you were already familiar with the first two seasons of twin peaks as something that might exist on their own or the yeah. first two seasons plus fire walk with me. Yeah. I think you sort of had to have some period where you thought you were never going to find out or never yeah. get anything else yeah. for the full kind of weight and revelation of that moment to to exist yeah I, I think that's true i think it's going to be difficult to replicate that experience for people who look at this as an entire thing that already exists and even if they watched season one and two not knowing what happens in season three and unaware that there was going to be huge tracts of doggy coop all the way through it right the fact that they would at least know that it was coming back and that presumably that meant that Asian Cooper was coming back in some form or another, it meant that they, you know, it, it would no longer be possible to have the experience of watching the season two finale and thinking, holy crap, I can't believe they ended it like that. Right, yeah, um, right, right. And then just imagining your own future as to what might happen um, because it's now something that, that exists. So, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't think of anything else that's had such an incredibly long wait to come back from something that was such an incredibly um, horrible cliffhanger. Yeah. 
Um, I can't think of anything else that's had such an incredibly horrible cliffhanger. <laughs> period. You know, I mean, it, 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 it um, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, for, for, it was, it's such a cruel and also perfect way to leave a character that people had, had become to love so much. Mm. Um, and also, in, it, you know, it says something very interesting, I think, about David Lynch and his art and, you know, in that Dale Cooper is, the 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 character that um is sort of exists as a simulacrum for something that david lynch enjoys or likes or imagines about himself and so essentially he put himself in that position and i think it says something about his lack of preciousness as an artist um that he can do that and it's also why you can you know where where he'll fully embrace these mistakes um and why you can have scenes where you have the most magisterial visual effects combined with visual effects that are so bad that <laughs> I feel like I could have done something better in 1988 on my Apple II. Um, uh, and somehow it all works yeah. together. Um, yeah. So I think we should start to wrap up. We, I mean, we've covered a lot of the things that have happened over the last 16 hours of uh, Twin Peaks The Return. And, you know, two hours left. May, you know, certainly I think the end of Twin Peaks on television for the near future. But I can kind of see the potential for David Lynch to do another movie. I think with some of the characters, I don't know. I I would almost like to see this be the end. I'm a bit concerned that something might happen in the future. Um, you know, I can see the return being quite nicely wrapped up and the final dossier being, you know, final. I mean, it, it 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 makes me sad to think of not having this experience again or continue. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's hard. This required such a commitment on the part of so many yeah. people. And it's hard um, to imagine that being a sort of returning thing that happens. Mm. Um, uh, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, also, Lynch is 77. I don't know. Mm. I, I'm forgetting exactly how old he is. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, that, that we haven't talked about. And actually, I haven't, I haven't read a lot about period. But um, when you think about revolutionary groundbreaking filmmakers a lot of times they're like you know mathematicians or classical musicians and that there's this burst of brilliant work mm -hmm. relatively early in their career and then impressive but no longer sort of revolutionary works going on i think this is by far david lynch's most impressive work yeah i mean you know by far and I think he's made a lot of very incredible movies. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to think of an artist whose sort of crowning statement occurred so late in, in his or her career. Mm. Um, and in Lynch's case, you know, what was it like almost a decade since he had done any work? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, uh, I, I think there are so, th this, this show, and it's one of the reasons why I guess I would not be totally disappointed if we didn't get more. It leaves us with so much to 
think about and think through um and 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 sort of and and ponder and and discuss and learn from um that even though it's this one experience that existed over a couple of months in one specific year um uh i think that in in the same way that you know the godfather parts one and two they're still releasing new versions of it with new commentary um i think we'll be we'll be getting stuff like that with with twin peaks the return um, what I'm one of the things I'm curious about is will we get Twin Peaks the Return the missing pieces mm-hmm. another yeah. another 14 hours of of uh, because I'm sh- you know I mean I'm sure the scenes like there must be so many candy scenes that did not make it in <laughs> um, uh, and I would watch I would I would watch 20 hours straight of just Jim Belushi and Robert Nepper yeah. as the Mitchums mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah but anyway. I can see that happening, actually. In this, I mean, I, I imagine that you know, probably come the end of the year, the most elaborate Blu-ray oh, box set yes. of all time. <laughs> I don't know. It might even be like in the shape of David Lynch's head, and the and the skull opens up or something, <laughs> it'll, 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 and it'll all be these like, discs spew out all over. It'll the be floor. like an actual rose, and in each petal of the rose, you like <laughs> unfold it, and there will be a single disc and. Uh, then you'll fold it a different way and you'll get like the commentary and um, yeah. Um, uh, well, it'll come uh, with a woodsman, an actual woodsman. It will show up your order for Amazon. And, uh, you know, two days later, if you have Amazon prime, uh, a woodsman <laughs> will knock on your door um, and just say, got a light and hand you this, this box. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who, whoever thought that, uh, you know, that, that, dirty hobos um with with uh with with smear on their face could be so terrifying <laughs> um, uh, um or like or men playing women in nightgowns yeah. as was the case that with was Bosomy so, woman that was bizarre i mean I, so but like yeah I, I think that does speak to one one really important point which is that the return has actually created its own additions to the twin peaks iconography oh completely it's remarkable how many things i mean i think we mentioned it when we chatted before about you know how quotable a lot of it was but actually visually there are so many things where they are so much a part of the return and even not the original series you know new characters new ways of doing things um like the intricacy has just allowed uh lynch and frost to come up with some frighteningly original things yeah. that I think yeah. will be the things that sustain the legacy well, of Twin Peaks for the and, and also sort of reappropriate. I mean, you know, I think now that shot of a car driving down a highway leading to a dirt road yeah. um, that already you could describe as Lynchian yeah. um, uh, and, you know, you have it in Lost Highway, I think now is like that has been reappropriated by Twin Peaks, and that yeah. is now a Twin Peaks establishing shot. The same yeah. way that that the 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 sort of uh, the 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 black and white um, jittery shot of electrical lines yeah. Uh, is, um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, even just like there will there will be 
um, a subset of the population for whom like just saying hello in a certain tone of voice <laughs> or sending, you know, smiley face all um, as a text to someone will have this whole world of signifiers um, that they did not previously have. And I think Halloween's are never going to be the same again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 So I think we'll leave it there. We have two hours of Twin Peaks left to go. Um, you're f- okay, you have to make one, one prediction for something that will definitely happen in these last two hours. Do you want it to be a safe prediction or a audacious prediction? One of each. One of each. Um, uh, my audacious one is that Dale Cooper does not survive. Okay. Um, uh, I, on Earth as Dale Cooper. Huh. Um, uh, it, and that's something that would both horrify and sadden me, but also in some ways it would kind of disappoint me if that didn't. It would seem like a cop out if it didn't happen on some mm. ways. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that it seems like you can have as many Coopers and 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 tulpas of Cooper exist in the world as you want. Mm. Um, that kind of seems to like break the rules in a way that I thought part of the deal was it had to either be Mr. C or Dale Cooper. Yeah. Um, and right now they're both existing in in the same spectral mm. plane. Um, uh, my safe prediction is that, um, uh, that, um, Dale Cooper will, uh, will give a thumbs up to Gordon Cole. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I think it's, it's interesting because that, you know, you know, as, as you were talking, I was thinking, is there such a thing as a safe prediction? Yeah, no, totally not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, so, I, like a safe prediction is that we will see the sheriff's station. I think that's a safe prediction. A safe prediction is probably also that we will see that scene of Andy and Lucy that we have still not yet seen that was oh, in yes. his vision. Yeah. I think that's probably a, a reasonably safe, yeah. safe um, assumption to make. Yeah, I think that's actually going to be to do with the return of uh, of Cooper to the sheriff's station that he, she's showing him that yeah andy is showing lucy like yeah here he is he's really here because i think um, that's going to tie into you know the uh the visions that were presented to him by the fireman that this is right, the person right. who, is, uh, right. who is coming but again i i honestly who don't knows? know it could yeah. be it could be wally returning and he's yeah, just yeah, excited yeah. to show right. her that she's back it could be it could anything. be that the mitchum's plane crashes somewhere before they hit spokane and that's yeah. the end of uh, of, of the Mitchums, Candy Mandy, and Sandy, and Dale Cooper. Um, it, you know, it could be that their plane and Gordon Cole's plane meet in midair, uh, um, and there's a huge fireball, and that's the end of Twin Peaks. I have no idea. <laughs> Hopefully, that won't happen. But how about yeah? How about you two? So I think one thing we will see. I, I, I we mentioned it earlier was um, I think we'll see. Uh, Cooper catching up with, however briefly, um, Michael Onke as Harry right. Truman. I think that will happen. That could even be the, you know, when everything is said and done, I think he'll then go and see Harry in the hospital. And maybe that'll be the, you know, the final sunset moment, actually. I, I could also see that being the opening of episode 17. That, that If that was the opening of episode 17, I'd... 
I don't know how I'd be able to contain myself over right, the next yeah, two yeah, hours. They right, started off like right, that. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think on one hand, although I find it very easy to ask you that question, I don't really want to answer it myself. That's okay. You're, you, yeah. it's, it's your podcast, so you don't need to answer it. <laughs> you can easy. force me to do things that you don't need to do. I think my, well, my, my safe guess yeah. is that we will see Julie Cruz at the Roadhouse. Performing, yeah, huh. um, okay, because I think she's got to be the only one left now, yeah, yeah, and she's yeah, in the right. cast list, isn't she? She's in the cast list, yeah, sure, yeah. 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 Um, hasn't she already? Has she not already appeared? I guess she hasn't already no, appeared, no, no. yeah, okay. My gosh, my completely out there guess, oh, I don't know. Oh, I think, I think, uh, we will see the return of the red curtain opening to uh the lodge in the woods at glassmary grove yeah at glassmary right. Grove. yeah well i mean haven't we already seen that happen in the future when hawk we've seen that happen and there is this big debate about whether so whether that happened when whether that it happened, happened yeah. whether it has yet to happen right but i right. think uh we'll see we won't necessarily see the follow-up to that scene i used to think we did but maybe we won't i think but we'll we see it see open. something we'll see, to do yeah. with glastonbury grove um simply because they've they've now again it goes back to the idea that um you know for new viewers they've they've in a kind of half-assed way tried to make aspects of it accessible yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah in the same way that they've shown that that weird gold pool outside the uh the entrance to Jack the place Palace. that may be yeah right. the white lodge or whatever right right um I can see that you know they're being returned to the scorched engine oil, but uh, right, yeah. right. I'm trying to think what my out there theory is. Uh, my, oh gosh, no, I still need a minute. Everyone, well, <laughs> a lot of people in the red room. A lot of people. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I just think yeah, you'll yeah, see a yeah. lot of people party, speaking backwards. In the roadhouse re- relocates to the Red yeah. Room at the very yeah. end. Or the convenience store appearing in Twin Peaks. Mm. That I could see. That would be unsettling. Yeah. But every, the problem is, everything that I think of, I think, actually, that's not crazy because that might actually happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard uh, to think. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, a, a, a crazy thing would be like, Gordon and Dale declare their sexual love for each other and move to a ranch in Wyoming or something, you know, <laughs> but like short of that, anything that, that realistically would happen in the Twin Peaks universe, there's nothing that you can sort of rule out. No, I mean, it, normally I would say that, you know, they woke up and it was all a dream was a crazy idea. I've actually started to be worried that that's what's Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Mm. Cert- yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I was at work earlier today and I was just making myself a, a cup of tea and I just started thinking about it and I got really sad yeah. <laughs> because I thought, what if that's how it ends? What if none of it was real? Even though none of it is real. Mm. And maybe that's the weird the, 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 the weird thing. Mm. Well, the, um, I mean... The interesting thing is, like, I've been thinking about that in 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 relationship to the Wizard of Oz, because mm. we don't, or at least I don't experience the Wizard of Oz as being just a dream. Mm. I experience it as being a real thing 
that happened to that character, Dorothy, mm-hmm. um, even though it is portrayed on film as just a dream. It's it's sort of it's an incredible magic trick that they that that I forget who the filmmaker was, but um, that that's that that's pulled off there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder. Um, uh, yeah, so it, I, I, I'm not sure how that I, I think that it would be more Wizard of Ozzy and less Northern Exposure. <laughs> um, is that that's the TV show, right? Where it ended up in a, it was all a snow globe. That was uh, Saint Elsewhere. Oh, Saint Elsewhere, right, right. Yeah, 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 no, I'm sorry. Right, Northern Exposure was the the Twin Peaks E show yeah. that came mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, right, right. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, you know, Saint Elsewhere like infuriated everyone, mm. um, and I think it would they would it would be less like that. But you know, who, uh, people can get very upset about things that happen <laughs> in fictional worlds, and so. <laughs> Who knows? Right, so thank you, Seth, for joining us for another slice of pie. Uh, it's been this was more like a, a, a pie. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was it, the it whole pie. It, yes. And then halfway through, we had to put another one in the oven. Yes, we exactly. Were so long. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Will, will um, you two? Will, I mean, I'm sure you will for a little while after. And I know you'll go back to time for cakes and ale, and not time for cherry pie and coffee. But how long do you think you will continue to put out episodes relating to Twin Peaks? So we so we have been discussing this a little bit, and I think things are going to become very interesting. Actually, after um, the series finale, because right. I think two things will be kind of obvious um to look at one will be sort of broadly to 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 look back at everything and to maybe think about how how it works as a whole and what's really going on with you know you know a a week or a month after it's all ended you can sit down and actually watch everything and and take it in without the you know the frenzy around you know these right. weekly these weekly parts the other thing that we've been thinking a lot about um as well um has been to take a step back and do what we'd like to do in some of the podcast episodes which is to think about some of the um references and themes and ideas that i think might be more um coherent now that we have the full thing with right. us as well because i think it'll be going on for you know for us i think easily we'll be doing it into next year but the frequency of, of cherry pie and coffee episodes will will drop but i think there is still a lot to to talk about but a lot of it will come from you know how we view it as a whole rather than in these weekly right bursts. right mm. I, I i'd also be fascinated in um uh sort of in 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 discussions and i'm not giving you two assignments um just in general <laughs> um uh discussions of um of, of of all of the things that have been sort of brought up in twin peaks mm-hmm. um uh you know i mean i've gone back and rewatched Maholland drive and rewatched Eraserhead, and um but i would love to go back and sort of systematically um tease out different film references mm. i haven't seen sunset boulevard in 10 years yeah, um yeah. i would love to watch that again you know i think you could do a, a, an advanced film studies course 
just discussing the films that are referenced in mm. Twin Peaks, The Return. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's another one of the ways where I, I think, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of when I first, um, uh, I first became sort of obsessed with jazz um, uh, when I was a teenager. And, and then I ended up the start of my career being a music critic and writing about rock and jazz. And I never, I had no formal training in it. I, I, it would just like, I would listen to an album and then I would look at who all of the musicians were and search out every album that they had done and read all of the liner notes for all of those albums and then search out albums that had liner notes by those same people. And it's just, you know, this entire world became apparent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you can do that with Twin Peaks. It's sort of a sign of its a, another another level of its richness. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I have a whole, um, not Netflix queue because they're not, available on streaming but like dvd queue Hmm. of things that were referenced in the return that i now really want to see um and which i think is another sort of fascinating um aspect of it and even like you know there's there's a book called nightwood um that was written i think around the same time as ulysses um that has nothing to do with twin peaks but one night i was trying to think of examples of worlds that were equally strange and rich and so i was searching for something and i came across this book written almost a century ago and now i'm halfway through that and completely immersed in this world Mm. um it's it's you know it's something that does not at least with me does not has never occurred with me with a tv show Mm. um before uh but even um really great movies i rarely have i rarely feel that that need or desire to find out every single thing um uh not that exists within this universe but that informed this universe yeah yeah i think there's just on its own you could probably write an entire book about all the painters whose works yes. have been referenced just in frames of the show it's yeah there's so much there i think people are going to be pouring over this for a very very long time to come um and we're going to keep reading and listening and blogging about all of it i think i don't think it's ever really going to end is it because i think you can you know we we spent 25 years um well some people spent 25 years uh, (laughs) right right keeping the the previous one going and i think there's just as much if not more to look at on this one just because of how far they've been able to go in just completely making it their their own thing and referencing as much as they want because you know i feel like for every reference that i've got there are a hundred that I yeah yeah, got. yeah yeah definitely um, I, yeah yeah and i just can't wait to find out what the other 99 are you know <laughs> it, it also and i'm sorry now i'm off on another tangent after you tried to wrap it up but um it also you know like the the there there is something about um the community that this has created that is yeah. unique um you know i mean I, I i realized today that um that i'm really happy for john thorne um uh because he's put so much effort and time into um thinking and writing about this show which it, which has been very rewarding for a very small number of people, yeah. um, but for those people, incredibly rewarding. And it, it and it made me so happy that he that this has now come back and he can deal with it again. Yeah. Um, uh, um, it also like 
you know, a, a sort of ancillary joy of this is like discovering Joel Baco yeah. and who I had never, I had never read anything he had written. And now um, I'm fascinated in everything that mm-hmm. he has to say. And, 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 you know, I, I've, I've been involved with some fan communities mm-hmm. um, and been very obsessed with things that have very devoted followings, but I've, there's never been this type of, uh, I've never, I've never experienced this type of community before. Yeah. I th- no, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, I think it'd be really interesting to speak to people like John Thorne about yeah. whether, you know, it wasn't like he was doing anything deliberately to bring the show back. Right. But he kept the spirit of it alive. No, but he's probably as responsible as anyone. Time. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think yeah. I can't imagine. Um, I think just because he's, you know, he's um, such a a prominent uh, character in the fan community as well. Right. Um, you know, I can't imagine what he must be feeling when he's watching this. Yes. You know, right. thinking. You know, he watched it originally, but to know how much he put into keeping keeping the mythology of Twin Peaks going for such a long time and all of a sudden it seems weird that you know it seems like you know a second ago there was this crazy announcement in October yeah. 2014 saying <laughs> right. it's right. and then and then all of a sudden there was a cast list and then there was a teaser trailer and then I remember I will never forget watching the first episode but even then I remember thinking oh my god there were people at the premiere and they've yeah, already yeah, seen yeah. it. There right. are people in the world, <laughs> but including including John Thorne. Exactly. Right? I mean, and it, for him you know, to come is, back and have which, a chance to see it, it's wonderful. And and but it also says something. You know, I mean, he he's not he was not covering it for Entertainment Weekly. You know, he was covering it for the Blue Rose magazine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Which is um. Yeah. It's 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 incredible. I, I you know I mean we talked very briefly last time. Um, I did not make it to Twin. I've never been to Twin Peaks Fest. Yeah. I did not make it this year, um, and, and I'm sad uh, about that. I think you you guys are going to the UK Fest. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah we're going, which we're really looking forward yeah. to. Yeah, I'm yeah. jealous. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, and 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 you know, again, just like the emotional connection, it made me really sad. You know, Catherine Coulson was such a big part of those fests, yeah. and that just made me really sad. You know, she, I mean, obviously her life is not going to be any different whether or not I tell her how much her acting is meant to me, hmm. but I'm sad that I can't do that, yeah. <laughs> which is, which, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, just, it's a unique show. Yeah. And I got to meet you two. And we got virtually, to yes. I got to virtually meet you two. Yeah. Hopefully in actuality in one day. <laughs> so. so yeah, it's been a, a mammoth, episode but thank you so much for, for sticking with us um there's been so much to talk about and i'm sure that we'll do this all over again uh in the not too distant future to uh, when we finally know how it ends yeah um and we can dissect the final dossier and uh, everything that comes with it right that has so, to be at least another couple of podcasts just on the final dossier right i mean oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they yeah. definitely will they definitely will and then we'll come back you know and you can come on as long as you promise to keep it under 24 hours of podcast. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I was going to say, 
I hope that we can talk about the finale and everything else, whether or not it's on the podcast. And if it is on the podcast, I promise that I will not have as much verbal diarrhea as I did today. I just was <laughs> like, there's there was so much to talk about, and I was so excited. And um, so, yeah, it's been uh, it's been wonderful. Now my wife will need to hear for another couple of weeks about how much I like talking to you two and how cool you are. So, um, oh, yeah, it's been great. It's been wonderful talking to you, Seth. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, we really hope you enjoy ours uh, or parts 17 and yes, 18 right. of uh, Twin Peaks The Return. Thank you for joining us for this yeah, uh, special episode. And uh, we'll speak to you very soon. All right. See you on the other side.